Have you been looking for a Taekwondo podcast with qualified people who know what they're talking about, who help you keep up with everything going on in the Taekwondo world? Well, you found it. This is the Taekwondo Podcast. Taekwondo news, competitions and other events, training and sports science, keeping the fans, coaches, and high-performance athletes up to date with the latest news and trends on Olympic Taekwondo. Let's do this. This is the Taekwondo Podcast. And now your hosts, Coach Caesar Valentim and Peter Nessler. Hello and welcome to the Taekwondo Podcast. We are a podcast based out of Austria in English language for everyone out there who likes Taekwondo. On this episode, we take a look at the Olympic ranking system and what challenges it brings for developing countries. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Coach Cesar Valentim and with me is Coach Peter Nessler. Hello, Peter. How are you? With the Paris 2024 games just around the corner, what are your thoughts on the direct qualification of athletes via the ranking system? Hello, everybody. Welcome to our Taekwondo podcast. Um, when it's about ranking system, this is always difficult to establish. You have to adapt them to the needs of the sport, and it always takes little time uh, till they are fully elaborated. You could see in other sports like tennis, they had uh, two different ranking systems. They are now back to the, the original one. And also in Taekwondo, they're uh, constantly changing the rules of the ranking system to make it uh, more uh, convenient and to make it more reliable. In the moment, the problem I see is that um, athletes gain a lot of points they collect a lot of points from big events so when you're already in you get you you have a safe place there so for new athletes it's always rather difficult to enter the system there is other approaches we both know uh, and maybe we could propose that the coaches and and everybody could propose those changes to world taekwondo what is your thoughts about it well, you're right about the system. The athletes that are already playing in the system, they get a big advantage. Uh, for you to go to a G tournament, you have most of the times you go on your own. Some others get to go with the national teams and, of course, different expenses, different uh, support staff. And when you go into the European Championships or to the World Championships or any other continental championship where the access is limited to the national teams, just by going, even if you don't win the first bout, you already make points. Most of the cases, you get points, as many points, but just making the weight in just registering as getting a medal in some g tournaments and that's a little bit unfair since those tournaments are access exclusive to national teams or to very specific athletes and the, the that's one of the cons the problems from keeping and accumulating the accumulating the points for so long the ones that you make points at the olympics and you can uh, go on vacations for six months and you still be top um, on the ranking on the other hand the the fact that the newcomers will have to be seeded from zero, as we mentioned two episodes ago. If they have to start from zero, they will probably be about, uh, they will be matched in the, in the seeding against uh, one of the top athletes, making them hard to, to get there. Yes, uh, the ranking needs to be updated, probably a, a little more complicated ranking, a little more dynamic ranking uh, would be a good solution. And 
not only the ranking itself, the way to get the, the, the points to the ranking, the, gate, the way to get access to the ranking is a little bit expensive. You have to have uh, a, a lot of licensing. You have to have black belts registered in Korea. You have to have travel expenses. What about the financial aspects of attending these ranking events? Well, as uh, all coaches uh, well known or to the athletes, sometimes it is really a lot of money to enter the system. So you have to have, uh, as you said, you have to have the gold license. It's not, not a lot of money, but you have it every year. You have uh, big expenses. That's roughly depends where you live and which events you're attending. That's uh, let let me say it's between 500 and 700 euros per event per athlete. Then you have to add the coach, maybe some extra members of the team. So it's a it's a big financial risk you're taking as a club or as a whatever you're competing for. Uh, to just enter the system and you have to enter it because as we said before there is a lot of guys already having lots of points so if you want to um if you want to compete at uh, worlds or europeans or olympics you have to gather a lot of points and therefore you have to enter as many uh, competitions as you could get because they in the especially in the beginning the 40 uh, points cap as it was maybe extending to 60 points now is not so easy to reach and it's really a lot of money maybe with uh, changing some of the rules um, you could make it easier for new uh, athletes we all know that it's not always the one with the most points that will be the olympic champion so that's an indication that the ranking system as it is now should not is the only solution so maybe uh, if you're looking to different sports like like chess, where it's important against whom you compete, or in tennis, where you have a, a much uh, narrower period of, of keeping the points, which is only 52 weeks in tennis, so one year. Uh, maybe some of, uh, when you look some of the sports um, and adapt some of the rules for technology would be fine. That's something we can talk about later, about uh, some uh, of the performance uh, analysis and comparing to the ranking. I do think the ranking, the introduction of the ranking 10 years ago was an important step in Taekwondo first because it seeded the athletes in the big competitions. It's important that the number one and number two in the ranking do not get seeded against each other, uh, don't get matched against each other in the first round, eliminating the possibility of having the top athletes in the finals. So seeding athletes through the ranking is a very good uh, uh, development. The fact that the ranking points are democratic and fair, that everyone, despite being or not uh, engaged with their national governing bodies in terms of uh, national team uh, or even team uh, um, uh, uh, travels, that they are allowed to participate in these open events. They are allowed to compete for themselves, for their clubs, and gather the points uh, independent of the national teams. Again, uh, the ranking has a lot of uh, benefits. It allows a more transparent and a fair uh, competition, allows also more exciting uh, final bouts. And uh, it, it does have this huge advantage comparing about not having a ranking. Like, for example, juniors and cadets, you can be the number one in Pan American region, number one in European region, and you don't have a ranking for juniors the, uh, worldwide, and you go to an open tournament and you'll match each other on the first bout uh, instead of fighting each other at least on the final four. That's uh, uh, something that needs to be considered. The ranking is there. Probably having more ranking events 
Um, but again, we do have a lot of ranking events, and some of these ranking events are not really fair and democratic if they exclude a part of the population. Uh, people have been talking about this. What about the boys? What about the non-religious uh, or uh, <laughs> boys out there that don't have access to these specific events that will exclude parts of the population? Religious games, um, gender games. What do you think about that? Um As you said, if you have a ranking system and you rely on that ranking system, it has to be on, on the same basis for everybody. So it's not a good thing to have events in there which exclude a big part of, of, of the competitors. As you said, religious games, female events, whatever. You should not put those to the normal ranking events. Um, it is good to have those events on the other end. That's very good because it, it extends the participation. It builds a more, it's a more marketing approach. Let me say it that way. Um, so you have more events which are dedicated to the athletes, but, um, it's not good to include those in the standard ranking process, in my opinion. Well, I, on that opinion, I, I might think that the solution is not not including them, but creating alternatives for the athletes that are not in these minorities. For example, I'm all for promoting and giving uh, ranking points for such events, in allowing the promotion of participation, using the ranking as a promotion tool, as you said, as a marketing, also as a motivation for the teams to compete. Um, not only religious events, I would say also um, events for uh, university athletes, events for worker athletes, events for uh, other kind of minorities that should also be uh, promoted. But we are talking about the big majority of the players not being included on these events. And for that, a solution should be found. If we create uh, a religious events, why not create a non-religious event? Why not creating a male-only event? Why not creating a transgender event? Um, we have all these uh, uh, <laughs> cisgenic events. There's all these kind of options for us to, to make sure that the human rights And the, the development of human rights do not impinge uh, the, the fairness of the sportive rights. So there are events, there are rankings, and we should probably consider adding more ranking events. Yeah, that's true. I fully agree. Yeah. This podcast is supported by Hawken Dynamics. Hawken Dynamics believes that technology is most useful when it stays out of your way. That's why Hawken developed the world's first wireless force plate system with extreme usability. It is the quickest, easiest to use and most robust solution on the market. It is trusted by all sports organizations large and small, as well as tactical, military and rehabilitation environments around the globe. It's force testing in the palm of your hand. Here at Vintekundo Center, we use Hawken Dynamics to test and monitor our team. The cloud-based platform allows us to access data and publish a variety of reports on the go. My favorites are trend reports and, of course, weight reports, where I can monitor different metrics to view progress and identify performance indicators, or to compare weights to a baseline data range. I use it on a daily basis to identify readiness. A simple jumping test takes me less than a minute to assess the entire team. Having my own Hawken Dynamics force plates allows me to test reactive strengths, maximum strengths, rate of force development, asymmetry and so much more. The real-time feedback on the app is useful not only for testing, but as a training tool, making it more accurate and at the same time more engaging for the athletes. If you are interested in learning more about Hawken Dynamics or getting your own, 
The team can be reached at info at hawkendynamics.com or on Instagram or Twitter at hawkendynamics. When talking about Taekwondo training, we need to talk about Athlete Analyzer. Athlete Analyzer is the first Taekwondo-specific athlete monitoring system. It is used by both national teams, regional squads and small clubs to maximize performance, prevent injuries and communicate with both athletes and trainer teams. Athlete Analyzer is a cloud-based system with a friendly smartphone app. You can plan and monitor every aspect of your training, even when you are not in the gym with your team. The easy-to-use video analysis tool is not like anything you've seen. It helps you understand your athletes and even their opponents, making this app the only tool you need to manage your team. Before I used Athlete Analyzer, I spent an absurd amount of time in front of the computer, creating spreadsheets and using half a dozen software solutions. I have athletes in my center, but also abroad, and with Athlete Analyzer, it's much easier to communicate, plan, and monitor their development. Now that I have extra time, I can focus on what matters, training my athletes, and it still leaves me some room to do other stuff, like this Taekwondo podcast. Athlete Analyzer offers you a two weeks free trial. Visit them at athleteanalyzer.com to sign up, or click on the link in the episode's description. To get the most of your free trial, I recommend you first book a free personal demonstration with Nicholas. It will give you a great insight of what Athlete Analyzer has to offer you and your team. It is well worth the time. You're listening to the Taekwondo Podcast. Now back to your hosts, Coach Caesar Valentim and Peter Nessler. We've been talking about the ranking events, the challenges and the benefits of the ranking events. Right now, the World ranking and Olympic ranking are only for seniors. Some continental rankings already include cadets and juniors. Do you think the World Taekwondo should already introduce ranking for the other age divisions? Well, it's uh, very easy. If you want to have professional sports in all the divisions, you should have a ranking system because it shows um, it shows it's a clear picture of what's going on there. If you keep uh, excluding juniors and cadets and whichever uh, age division, uh, it's not appropriate uh, to have it as a, as a as a big event. So I would say extend it to the junior and cadets division, uh, but maybe not with all the same roles. Maybe think about adapting the roles to those age categories. One of the things uh, we uh, we mentioned in the first part was not having a ranking for juniors allows uh, the the match the drawing of the matches to be a little bit unfair. But on the other hand, promoting events for especially for cadets that have ranking events allows them to travel and to have a, a competition calendar that is probably too overloaded for someone between the ages of 12, 13 even unfair for some of the uh, countries that are not allowed to compete in these events. Would a solution be, for example, to limit the number of uh, eligible competitions or um, increase the number of eligible competitions but reduce the number uh, of points allowed to be uh, uh, made, for example, having a cap uh, on the points or even allowing a cap on the participation, not allowing you to go to more than three or four tournaments a year or not allowing you to make more than 20 points a year or something like that? Yeah, there's all very good ideas. In the moment uh, when we see the seniors, we have 40 points, maybe extending to 60. That's a huge amount of, 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 of workload on putting on the athletes. You should not do that on the juniors and, and uh, especially not on the cadets. So limiting is uh 
is a solution. You, ha- you also can see that in, in, in other sports uh, where you have a ranking system, it's not open to all the events. It's a number of events, especially of the high-level events. Um, also putting a cap on the uh, quite a low cap on the maximum number of points that you could get uh, would maybe re- uh, put more relief on the stress they have. Would you suggest a different ranking system? Do you have any ideas for a different ranking system? Um, a different ranking system, yes. I mean, we have a, it's a competition sport where you compete one against one. So, um, it is quite easy to tell there is a winner and there is a loser, and you could develop a ranking system out of that that already happened. We have a ranking system now, quite uh, easy going. So you have G-class uh, events, which are all the same, no matter if there is 100 athletes or 1,000. So for the juniors and the cadets, maybe you could start um, putting more uh, focus on, on the size of the event. Um, so getting more points on bigger events or changing the G-class system. The G-class system is now you have the G1, 2, 4, 8, whatever. Um, this not necessarily has to be the same at the juniors to that extent because we, we, all, re- we all know Olympic, uh, Olympic points is, is, is huge. As you said, six months on vacation possible <laughs> um so maybe all a little size down for juniors and cadets that's a good uh, solution for example would be to to allow to don't the, determine the number of the of the g class so so not the the, the quote the multiplication factor of the event before the event prior to the event but wait until after the event to decide if Based on the number of athletes, I would say even based on the number of countries, um, to to create then the multiplication factor, it would be a G one or a G two. The second would be to create probably different uh, levels. Uh, you would be like in uh, some other sports, you have the league, and you are on the, either on the Premier League or First League, and then you have a second league, and you would only transition as an athlete to the uh, higher league after you completed uh, some points or some criteria on the second league. That would be also a, a possibility, allowing the athletes to be forced to go to some events and not to others, uh, not mixing uh, the, the points and not allowing the athletes to make the same points in a tournament with two opponents uh, or actually the ranking already uh, allows you not to make the same number of points but let's say um, between 10 and 30 do you get the same points but it's not the same event if you have 30 competitors from the top nations or you have 10 athletes from the neighboring countries in some cases very easy uh, competition level so yes the rankings there are other options probably we should uh, have uh, a bigger talk uh, not only on this podcast but a worldwide conversation about this topic um, another thing about the event, and especially in Europe, when uh, it was introduced, and we mentioned before by uh, the current Secretary General, the quota events and the qualification quotas for some championships, it exists right now in Europe, exists with the President's Cup also around the world to the uh, European Championship. Should we actually promote that kind of system, have more direct qualification quota events for other championships, like, for example, the World Championships? 
Well, when uh, Antonio Barbarino uh, in, first introduced those kind of direct qualification, there was a lot of critics uh, on it. Uh, especially the MAs were criticizing that uh, there is a, a different criteria than before, which was only nominating them, the athletes, for uh, maybe European or continental championships. But uh, I think in the meantime, the coaches and also some of the athletes do like that system. And uh, <laughs> in my opinion, that's why we are here. So we are doing this for the athletes and for the coaches and not for the MAs. Um, the direct quota is uh, existing. I think it's a good vehicle. Mm, you could also extend it to different formats. That's true. Um, it's a it's, it's it's a matter of trying what the people like, in my opinion. I think in the end, as you mentioned, there was a lot of friction in the beginning from the member national associations regarding the quotas because they would allow athletes outside of their national governing body system to actually qualify for the events. But some of uh, the other member national associations found that it was an opportunity to actually qualify more athletes for the events. They would uh, send the athletes to the competition for the quotas. They would get two spots from that event and they would actually get the third one from the or even the fourth one from the national team nominations allowing them to send more athletes for the same event allowing them to have a better chance for medals allowing them for getting a better ranking position as a team in the end of the event so there is of course that little problem that comes with democracy <laughs> is that we have to accept that the other people also have their opinions or even their chan chances uh, and maybe some people don't understand that so much others embrace it and uh, you see it as an opportunity to even qualify more athletes so the qualification quota for the continental championships has uh, been uh, increasing there's a lot more events um, I do think that uh, at similar, similar to, to some other events, if you win or this uh, or the other event of throughout the year, you qualify for the Super Grand Prix and to all these things that exist. Um, and uh, uh, like some events have, you, if, you, if you win three or four of the Grand Slams, you qualify for the uh, Super Grand Slam. Situations like this will allow uh, the events and the quota events to be a little more comp competitive. But again, <laughs> trying to not to go into the to the fact that if the events are too big, then it's also right now pandemic a big risk, a lot of financial burden on the teams, on the athletes, and of course the the level not being fair for the newcomers. So. Probably a mix of all we've discussed, of having different leagues, different ranking events, different quota events. Uh, we're talking about uh, uh, a lot of proposals, and it's be interesting to hear the, the opinion from uh, feedback from our listeners. Uh, they, you have our Facebook and Instagram. You can just write to us and our email as well. It's on the podcast information. It will be interesting to, to hear what they, they think about it and probably even talk to the authorities about uh, those things. It's not our job as podcasters to, to do it, but as coaches and as national teams, probably. Uh, out there listening to us they should actually consider those situations if they think that we are right another thing i wanted to talk to you about the ranking system is most of the people in the national level take the ranking system from wt as their own only criteria or adaptations from the wt events as a ranking criteria and some other countries are already uh, doing a performance analysis ignoring uh, the event itself but analyzing the, uh, the sorry, they've ignoring the event G class and uh, analyzing the event itself and the competitors on each category 
to uh, to uh, do a performance analysis. The like as you mentioned before, uh, other systems do it at the world level. So their entire world ranking is based on a performance analysis. Some other uh, member national associations are doing it for their national team criteria, and that's something that we would probably probably be uh, considering that the easier G tournaments or the continental championships don't have the same impact. The opponent against whom you win or against whom you lose uh, your matches is probably uh, should cons- should be considered in the in that ranking system. Uh, some countries already do it, as I said, but should we also consider it for the world ranking? It was it would I know it's not uh, uh, too complicated because it's all. Uh, informatics if it's all about uh, a good database that works and it's dynamic but do you think we should actually implement some kind of a performance uh, uh, factor also in the ranking system uh, yes as said before uh, it's important uh, against whom you compete uh, then you have the result win or lose and it should not be the same points in any case uh, regarding the MNAs and their ranking systems, some of the MNAs only rely on the full World Taekwondo ranking system, which does not show the full picture in many cases. As we said before, there is uh, events where you have to get nominated, and if, if you only rely on those, then you might miss any other uh, talented uh, athlete who hadn't, ha- has not had the chance to get nominated. For whatever reason, um, so a little more, little more uh, work on the performance analysis would be fine. Would give a more accurate uh, picture. And don't forget, the ranking system uh, is also there to have the seedings, which uh, which is not uh, important for the for the MNAs in many cases. It's just for the G class tournaments. Yes, the the fact that you win against a top seeded athlete, a top ranked athlete, and or you lose against a, a non top athlete should not have the uh, should at least matter something for the for the ranking itself for the MNAs obviously because it, it identifies the athlete and it's totally different for me to lose against the uh, Olympic champion or against or losing um, to someone that is not even on the rank. Or the other way around, <laughs> winning against someone that is not on the rank or winning against someone that is top on the Olympic uh, ranking. And this should be considered not only in the, and it is most of the cases in the national teams, but it should also be reflected in the, in the national ranking, in the, in the world ranking. I see other sports do it in, in chess, as you mentioned uh, before, they have a very good uh, uh, system. Um, in uh, tennis, other uh, uh, sports, they do account for the, uh, the ranking position of your opponent to decide how many points you win or lose in the world ranking, allowing the athletes not only to win points, in some cases even to lose points and, and go down um, by losing points, by losing uh, uh, the bouts, not only not winning points like it is right now. Thank you, Peter. It was a pleasure being here with you and with everyone who's listening. This was the Taekwondo Podcast, the third episode. If you haven't already, listen to our other episodes that are available online wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are releasing new episodes every Tuesday. Stay tuned, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a positive review and share it with your friends. See you next time. 
You've been listening to the Taekwondo Podcast, keeping the fans, coaches, and high-performance athletes up to date with the latest news and trends on Olympic Taekwondo. Your host, Coach Cesar Valentim, has almost 20 years of experience with high-performance Taekwondo and has worked all around the world as a Taekwondo trainer. Peter Nessler has been teaching Taekwondo for more than 20 years, and he's currently one of the top referees in Europe. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram at Taekwondo Podcast, on Facebook at Taekwondo Cast, and the website TaekwondoPodcast.com. See you next time.